There we go. <laughs> Selfie out of the way. Welcome back to another great episode of Security Hall Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Danny Caballero. With me today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Pamela Arnell uh, from 220. How are All you right. today, doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I, I've been searching and trying to find every resource that I could, uh, not only for my network and uh, the communities that I serve, but for anybody that stumbles upon us that needs help, and that's within the realm of active duty, veteran, first responders, um, heck, anybody that has dealt with trauma. And the one thing that stuck out to me when I found 220 is you guys have a very intriguing and different way of approaching trauma. And it's something that I have not heard about, definitely did not go through it myself, but uh, after watching the documentary, after reading your protocols, after reading your programs, now it's got me thinking like, holy cow, what's the one thing that our guys in the soft community hate doing? They hate talking and reliving the actual traumatic event. And that's the first thing that was like, holy cow, like this is something that could work for a lot of us. Uh, so instead of running my my trap all, all morning long, I, please tell us about what you guys have that is so special and we need to know more about at 22-0. Okay. So kind of given the, the historical piece, this is the fifth year 22-0 um, has been in operation. 22-0 is a nonprofit. So the founder and the co-founder are, are both veterans. Um, Dan, which is um, the founder, is also retired law enforcement. So, um, we've got the first responder and military, you know, background. <clears throat> Basically, when Dan retired from the military and retired from law enforcement, he kind of went down a rabbit hole um, with trauma and he found something that worked. And what he did is he took and he fixed it and um, modified it to fit 220. Um, he's been through uh, a lot of trauma related to being in combat uh, with law enforcement. He was trying to get assistance at, with the VA for his trauma, um, you know, and unfortunately, those appointments were either rescheduled or canceled or whatever, not on his end, but Basically, he kind of just put on his mission uh, hat of looking for a method that would work without telling that content, um, without, you know, finding two protocols, which we use, um, finding something that works and sharing it. So the goal and, and how 220 came into existence is, or the name was... On average, there are 22 who die by suicide a day. We know that number is much higher. Um, we, we just know it is. There's actually been a release not too long ago where it said an average of 44. Either way, yeah. one is yeah, two. Yeah, we were going off old data. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was definitely old data. And so, but I questioned the 44 a day. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. And they can say what they want, but being involved with the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network, I know how that 
looks and the medical examiners making those decisions as if someone has died by suicide or not. So I am quite confident in saying I know it has to, it, it's higher than 44 a day. Why do we have individuals that are serving and protecting our country dying by suicide when we're able to give them the help and the relief that they need? Basically, um, 22.0 has two protocols. We have the trauma resiliency protocol. We have the emotions management process. And what we do is we use a telehealth platform. So military, if you're active duty, uh, veterans, Gold Star members, if you are a spouse and a minor child um, in the home with a veteran, um, it's free. Uh, we also serve and provide for firefighters, law enforcement, EMS, um, first responders. Those are our mission clients. We do not charge for uh, serving them. Uh, we do pay uh, the coach to work with them. Um, we rely on donations. Being a nonprofit, that's one area that we're always looking for are for fundraisers and you know, donations to continue going on. Uh, the 22-0 is, you know, in Dan's eyes and, and mission was that we get that 22 down to zero and then, you know, we're basically all looking for a new job. And, uh, <laughs> so, and that'd uh, be good. That'd be great. Cause then that, you know, would we, we can, that would be the ideal situation. I don't want to have to do this for the rest of my life. I actually have other endeavors, man. I'd love to have, you know, my own greenhouse. <laughs> well, I don't have a green thumb, so good luck with that. <laughs> Man, I think all of us that work in this and, and, you know, whether you're doing advocacy work or you're trying to raise awareness or you're actually providing, everybody has that dream of like, maybe this is it. Maybe we just uh, develop this, this wonderful program that can get out there. But the reality is, is we need lots of exposure. We need to get it out there because mm-hmm. it's so, I, I don't know how to explain it to a lot of people that haven't been there. When you're in that mindset, you don't want to Google. You don't want to search. You just are living day to day in that mindset of survival. Right. But one thing that I found is if you put it in the periphery, if you put it in their face through a commercial, through a podcast and get these new ideas, these new concepts, these new modalities for getting better, it can spark that question. And that's all it took for me. Just just knowing that, okay, wait, I can go to a treatment center. Nobody ever talked about that. Nobody ever talks about that um, uh, among the formation. We hear loony bin. We hear all these derogatory terms about getting help. But then when you realize, oh, no, you can go to this place. You can do this. You can do this. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take a leap. I'm going to go into it. And that's why when I saw your program and I was doing my, my little detective work on LinkedIn, I'm like, this is something <laughs> that we got to talk about. And, and I want to I pause and I want to try to hit you up on the trauma resilience protocol because when I read and started digging into it, I'm like, okay, this is something we need to start. Like we banners need to be going off alarms. People need to be hearing about this because it's so different than what a lot of guys are, are very resistant to, which is sitting in a very vulnerable space Mm -hmm. and having to relive, 
and they only want one in my in my experience mm-hmm. they only want to talk about one index event and a lot of us are sitting here with multiple deployments and are like i don't know how i can just sum it all down to one event mm-hmm. and then when you start being vulnerable and talking and sharing you realize i got i got civilian trauma too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so now you're you're making me be the uh <laughs> to pull the verdict and be like okay what's more important what do i need to talk about when i started finally being honest i realized that i had to go through multiple things so i i didn't just say hey i'm one and done i continued advocating for myself getting more help a lot of guys they open that one box they give forth that one little bit of truth Mm -hmm. you dissect that event and you dissect that trauma and then they're like okay i'm good i don't want to do this again i don't want to do this anymore but this sounds to me like it's completely different Because it's not, you're not tapping into that firefight. You're not tapping into that ID. You're not tapping into the worst possible day of your life and then having to choose between day one or version Mm -hmm. one of this incident and then go to another incident. Um, That to me seems like a groundbreaking development. (laughs) Okay. So, which, and I can't go into the actual protocols, um, yep. because it is trademark, but so let me just kind of guide you in the listeners. Yes, please. Way. Yeah. <laughs> so basically the trauma resiliency protocol, um, what we do is first off, you do not tell us any of the content. You're not allowed to tell any of the content. We do that one to protect you. We do that two to protect our coaches. We have a peer to peer program. So if a veteran contacts us, we're going to connect him with another veteran. If law enforcement contacts us, we're going to connect him with another law enforcement, um, vice versa with the fire department. With the trauma piece, what we do, it, we can get someone to trigger um, without telling the content, bring them right out of that trigger, and then we can move right on along. Um, we go far or as far back um, as birth, if we have to, you know, individuals, there are some people that did not have the best childhood. And so we're going to go to the root. What we need to do is, so we have the trauma. So let's talk about a traumatic event. Um, we're going to go and cover as many of those that we can, meaning you may think that your traumatic events is bet- and I'm going to make up something. So let's say between 2007 and 2010. Well, as we're going through that, you may realize there's things in the back or in the childhood or something other situation happened that you didn't at that time considered an event that was traumatic, but yet you do have reactions to it. We're going to cover all of those. We're going to get as many and all of those that you're able to know and, you know, go through that process with us as far back in childhood as we can. And again, at no time will you tell us any of the content, Um, the emotions management part. So basically what happens is, you know, we're looking for anger, shame, guilt, fear, um, helplessness, uh, abandonment, survivor guilt. We, you know, I see that a lot. Um, survivor guilt. So we're going to go back as far back as we can that you can remember, um, because this incident may have happened when you were, I'm going to make up a number, 25. 
So let's say you were very um, fearful with an event when you were 25, but then there was also something in your childhood. And I'm going to go back to the root and get that. We use visualization. Um, it's basically a form of NLP. It's not NLP, but it is kind of under that umbrella, if you would. But um, it's visualization, disassociation, um, the kinesthetic process. It's imagery. The best way for me to explain it would be imagery, uh, being yeah. able to get you to do those images that I instruct you to do um, is going to be very key. And then we're going to start seeing numbers come down. Uh, we do a pre-assessment on everyone that comes through. So the pre-assessment, there's a trauma scale. You're not allowed to. It, the, there's three questions that are yes or no. You just yes or no. The rest are based on the traumas based on um, physical, emotional triggers and things like that from a trauma rating between zero, four, four being the highest. That's all you tell us. Um, <clears throat> we read that question to you and you tell us, where are you? Um, are you having disturbing dreams, unwanted memories on a scale of zero to four, zero? It doesn't bother you for it all the time. What where is that for? OK, well, my goal is to get you to a zero. And I actually have data that I'll share with you in a little bit um, yes, please. based on our pre and post scores. So what happens is they call or, you know, we they come through. Um, we're going to connect them with Trisha, which is our social worker. She will do the pre-assessment. Um, everything we do is confidential. It is very ethical. <laughs> uh, just wanting to reassure everybody of that. You're able to stay at home. You're not going to have to go somewhere to a facility. Uh, yeah, that's, you, that's another big thing mm -hmm. that we've run into is the hesitancy to, mm -hmm. and I understand we have to work. Uh, a lot of our guys are senior in their career. They have wives, kids, mm -hmm. and they already have a work that is so demanding that having to remove themselves from work, it, it's like ripping out a part of themselves. So mm -hmm. it's like, that's one of the things that is also very enticing. It's like, hey, I can continue my life, continue being with my family and get the help I care. I, I desperately need. Like that is that's amazing. That is amazing. And so you're using that telehealth uh, platform um, it, and it's secure. Uh, and when I say secure, there's, you know, it's a very secure app that we use. Um, it's a, basically a medical platform. So ultimately what happens is the pre-assessment's done and then you're going to be assigned a coach. So let me say, uh, Denny, you call and say, hey, I really feel like I need some help. Okay, let me do the pre-assessment. We're going to do it right then and there. We're going to work around your schedule to get that done. Um, so if you say I'm actually working and I can't do it until tomorrow, okay, you tell me what time tomorrow. We're going to do the pre-assessment, and then right after that pre-assessment is done, you're going to go ahead and be given a coach, and that coach is going to contact you that day. Oh, wow. Like That's a, that's a, another thing that's been really hard, um, trying to be an advocate and getting guys to utilize programs, because a lot of times guys don't want to use military providers. Mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. they are fearful of their career. They're fearful mm -hmm. of stigma. Mm -hmm. So then when I do get them to reach out and and finally give them that access to that other program that's telehealth and their hope is built up. They're excited. They reach out and they get, you know, again, I hate to say it, military one source notorious where this happened to me. 
you finally build up enough courage and you call mm-hmm. and nobody gets back to you. Not, mm-hmm. not even just, Hey, I will get back to you in a day. Nobody and multiple times. And then that re galvanizes that person to say, you know what? I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to build up this hope. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go. So the fact that you guys are able to build that bridge and connect them to someone that's amazing. Like right. that is. Yeah. And, and so just, it's kind of funny and I always say it. So I have my phone 24 seven, you know, and I'll give you the numbers and, and all that information too. My phone is with me. It is beside my bed. I take calls in the middle of the night from veterans and first responders. I am going to answer my calls. It is so funny because when I'm in church, my pastor, you know, when when I took the job as executive director, um, I told him, I said, please don't be offended if I get up and walk out and you're preaching. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me really funny and I said, no, please don't. I said, because to me, someone is calling, they're in crisis. I need to take care of that right then and there. I'm not going to wait, period. Yeah. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out of church and I'm going to take that call. I may say, give me just a minute because I'm in church, <laughs> but I'm going to take that call, you know, um, and th- work with them. We're going to get that assessment done. Um, we're going to get someone saying we, we're not going to do a waiting. There is not a waiting list, meaning if you call me today, we're going to have you connect it. Um, your coach is going to contact you that evening or in the morning. Um, you're not, it, we're not going to do a waiting. We do not do a waiting list. We're, we're, that is powerful. Our goal is healing heroes, military, first responders, our heroes. That is what this country should be doing is healing our heroes. And that's yep. what we're doing. Healing the heroes. It gets and bogged so, down. It, it yeah. becomes a secondary, then a third, then a fourth, fifth priority um i've I've been telling my friends get the help you deserve now if you're still in the military you're still active duty it's not going to hinder your career uh there's protection and and even so what's more important you and your family you your wife your kids your life that's more important that's what matters Mm -hmm. and time and time again we see people try to shortcut or it's always on the back end a crisis mm-hmm. event happens and then it's breakneck speed to try to curve it, try to minimize the damage. But we're doing a horrible job of doing it before it happens, of trying to get those individuals into a, a or give them the resources to get to a place or get assistance that they desperately need. Um, and it's because of organizations like yours that we are succeeding in those crisis moments because this is the the. The truth of it is the majority of the success stories that I have are from connecting the veterans and active duty service members that we have as followers to organizations mm-hmm. like yours, because that's where we have the most success. Um, it, it's very rare that I get somebody that's able to get the care they need that moment within our own organization. And that needs mm-hmm. to change. It needs to change. It needs to change. And it's, you know, um, so like I mentioned, we, we have the peer to peer program. We do not have civilians um, within 220. You're either a veteran first responder that has gone through um, 
the process and going through the training. We have two pieces. We have the treatment, you know, where we're working with the individual, but we also have the training. Uh, Dan just got back from cha- uh, training the Lakeland Fire Department uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday he got yes. back. Um, so we we have two pieces, and and it's working with them individually. Uh, but also the training piece. We will go in and train fire departments, <clears throat> law enforcement agencies. We've trained several departments for the peer-to-peer program. So that way you have that um, that training. If you're on a scene, if something's going on, you've got a firefighter, a law enforcement agency, or personnel that's witnessed something traumatic, go ahead, run them through the protocol, go ahead and get it taken care of. So we do both parts. Um, The other part of that, and I get asked this all the time, all the time. Are you going to report it to the VA? What am I going to report? I'm not reporting nothing to the VA. And I also get asked all the time, are you going to contact my employer? Why would I contact your employer? (laughs) I have no, I'm not going to contact your employer. The other question I get asked all the time is, is this going to affect my VA rating? How will it affect your VA rating? I'm not talking with them. Unless you go in and say something, but it's still not going to affect that rating. It is not going to affect it. Mm -hmm. So bottom line is it's confidential. I'm going to connect you with another, you know, veteran or first responder. Um, I work with everybody, <laughs> including children. We work with children too. Um, oh, wow. I, yes. And so I work with the whole, everyone. Um, I kind of have all pieces to it. Uh, I was brought up in the blue line. My father was in law enforcement. Um, my goal was to become a police officer in Tennessee there was a height requirement and being five foot and half an inch didn't qualify uh, for whatever reason. And so that did get changed many years later. Um, I'm also in the volunteer fire department in my county. And and the story of how I got connected with 220 is hilarious. Um, so my assistant fire chief was in the platoon with Dan. And I always tell him, you know, every time I see him, anytime I do a podcast, I'm going to bring this up. And so he said, hey, I'm called Big Mama. That's what law enforcement and the fire department calls me. Okay. Um, With my prior job and working with, you know, children and family and, and law enforcement in my area, they know they can come to me. They call me Big Mama. That's just who I am. And so um, he's like, he said, hey. Big mom, why don't you go through this training? And I looked at him and I said, you have lost it. Why do I have a doctorate? Why would I want to do any more training? What is wrong with you? You know, and he said, no, no, you don't understand. Basically, um, he convinced my fire chief, Bill Myers. So Ryan Cox convinced Bill Myers to go through the training. And um, we get, we're having a countywide uh, a meeting in. I'm the secretary and he, they put me in the office. And so now I've got both of them. I have my fire chief, <laughs> my assistant fire chief saying, we want you to go through the training. I'm going, why do you want me to do that? Um, what I'm doing already works, <laughs> you know, because uh, I do, I have a, you know, my background is uh, my master's is in counseling. 
my doctorate's in clinical supervision and higher education. I decided to go that route because I was not going to build insurance companies. I wasn't going to have insurance companies dictate to me what my clients needed. Plus, teaching at the college level, I wanted to do the dual part of it and get the, you know, with the higher education teaching at a college level. Um, So, long story short, to appease those two, I did it. I said, I'll research it because I won't put my name with just any company. I won't put my name with just it doesn't work that way. And so I did research it and I said, the only way I will go through that process or go through that training is you have to contact this Dan fella and uh, tell him he has to run me. And he said, okay, so he's calling Dan. I mean, we're at another countywide meeting. He's calling Dan, Dan, she'll do it, but you've got to run her. And and I'm looking at him. I'm going, we've got a meeting. We've got to go take care of this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in April of 2021, I went through the training. Dan ran me. And what I thought were more childhood events, um, you know, being traumatic, I had basically become so desensitized to the law enforcement part of it. Um, I was a reserve deputy for five years before I became the youth service officer in Giles County. And so um, the youth service officer's job basically is to serve and protect the children and make sure that they're you know, following the rules. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of more or there were a lot more things that were more <clears throat> eventful and traumatic that I dealt with with that work. That was very desensitized now. And I know all of you out there are going to know exactly what I'm talking about, because when you become so desensitized to it, you know, we have coping skills that are not healthy and the way we react to things, um, what we may say in a joking manner. A lot of people are looking at us and going, exactly. Is she, why is she talking like that and saying that? Well, and that's just a defense coping mechanism, not healthy. So there you go. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) We do that all the time. And it's, 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 it's ingrained, whether you're a a green beret, ranger, conventional army, Mm -hmm. we are the masters of dark humor. And it's funny you bring that up because we were just talking about that in a previous episode. It's when we're talking amongst each other, it's a, uh, it's something we still do, but now as we're older, healthier, wiser, and we start noticing on TV shows or YouTube videos, it's like, wait a second, I don't know if people should be consuming this type of like if it's really funny to me, you shouldn't be watching it. <laughs> I know, I can relate. <laughs> I relate one hundred percent, but um. So I went through the training uh, that night that Dan ran me was the very first time that I slept. And when I say that I slept, I mean, man, I slept. And so um, when I got up the next morning, because it's a two day training, when I got up and on the second day of training, you know, I just had this question and that kept ringing and, and going in the back of my head of what did he do to me? 
<laughs> we get asked that all the time, you know. And so when we met for a class, I said, what'd you do to me? He said, well, how'd you sleep? I said, I slept like a baby. I didn't have any nightmares. I didn't wake up. You know, normally I'm tossing and turning. The way I went to sleep was the way I woke up. That's not normal. You know, I said, he said, well, think about that, that, that event or one of those events. And I thought about it and I said, okay. And he said, okay, feel the heel. Wow. And I said, feel the heel. And I had to think about that for a minute, you know. Um, and I said, but my question was, what'd you do to me? <laughs> <laughs> and he's, and, you know, and he, he said, feel the heel. And for the first time, you know, the, even thinking about some of those calls that I went on, um, mm -hmm. being with the sheriff's department and fire department, you know, some of the, the things with serving and protecting the kids that I did before I took and became executive director, I can think about those events. I don't trigger. Um, there's, you know, I don't have the... Um, emotional physiological responses that I did before I don't have that that is and it's it's insane to hear that because um I I live and in, in, in interact with my brothers on a daily basis podcasts like my co-hosts are all dealing with we all deal with the same things and even though we're on the right side of the recovery. We're, we're on our, on our journey. Uh, we stick to our modalities. There are still things that we cope with. We have mm -hmm. great coping skills. We have great techniques. We've been taught. We've been trained. We're now on the right side of this. We're no longer in crisis. We react. We understand like, okay, mm -hmm. it's got to do this. But what you're saying is so groundbreaking and it, it gives me goosebumps because I, I know this is something that all of us want to be able to have that ability to not, not just have to live mindfully and, and, and be aware and understand and choose the right reaction, but to be free of the trigger, mm -hmm. to be free of the trigger. That is something powerful. Uh, wow. I'll, I'll give you an example um, for uh, going back to childhood and, and I'm not going into content, but um I would not go into a barn. You would not catch me going around a barn. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. When I went through the process and there actually was an event. So I'm not telling my age, mm -hmm. but old enough. <laughs> <laughs> I would not go through a barn in a barn at all. It would not happen. And so um, I guess about three months after going through the process, my husband and I were invited to a wedding. Well, guess where <laughs> that wedding was? Um, it was in a barn. Yeah. And I could not go. I mean, I could have not gone, but because I had such high respect for, you know, the family, I said, oh, okay. I didn't, we got there and, and my husband, my husband's a veteran. He served 26 years, fought in Desert Storm. 
you know. So he he knew um, Mm -hmm. when we pull up and we get there and I see this barn, his eyes got bigger than mine. He turned around and he looked at me and he said, do you want to leave? Now, mind you, I've already gone through the process. Dan has already ran me. And I looked at him and I said, no, I'm going in. And he said, if you decide, I said, I don't have any physical reaction to it. Actually, even seeing a barn would set me off. Yeah. Okay. I live in a rural area. There's a lot of barns. (laughs) They don't bother me now. (laughs) And so when I, when I walked in, there was no trigger. There were no physical, emotional reactions. And that was one of the first times that I can say being in a barn, around a barn, I had absolutely no emotion tied to that trauma whatsoever. None. And I stayed for the entire thing, by the way. I mean, there's still places right here in my daily life that I don't go. I don't, I don't, I don't do certain activities just because I know like, okay, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with it. So just avoid it. I mean, there are places <laughs> within driving distance here uh, where I used to work, <laughs> the compound. <laughs> there are places where you just drive and you feel the anxiety and it's just like, okay, breathing exercise. And you walk in through the front door of, you know, your old battalion and you see the memorial wall. And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be ne- anywhere near this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something my, my, my brothers deal with every single day. And if they could go through this treatment at home and not have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So <laughs> what, what you should do is you need to let me run you through the process. Absolutely. Not live on a podcast. <laughs> what, what you should do is you should let me run you through the process. You'll understand then. Oh, yeah. So um, we'll do a pre-assessment. I'll take care of you. After it's over and done with, we'll do a post-assessment. And that's the data part that I'll go over with here just in a little bit. Yeah. But um, I'll take care of you. <laughs> You'll be going to those places and you're not going to ha- you're going to go, oh, well, I'm not reacting that way. Yeah, I, I think all of us um, all of us desperately want that. And even I mean, I I am proud of the, the person I am today, the man I am today, the things I've uh, been able to develop as my tools and been able to mm-hmm. cultivate and. It's remarkable. Where I'm at today is a testament of, yeah, it's hard work. It's dedication and commitment to being better. But every person that we are able to heal and every person that we are able to touch and inspire to get better, that's another person that can go out there and speak to the healing and speak to the the powerful testimony of like, hey, this is this is what life can be like. Right. Um, and it is a powerful thing to have your tools and be able to utilize them against uh, the evils of everyday life. But if we can make it that much easier, if we can make it that much easier, that's energy we can put in the, in our families, energies we can put into our community. That's, that's true healing. That's completely like you're over it into uncharted territory of being free. Uh, so I, I'm rarely speechless. <laughs> 
Right. So let me give you some water-based food to listen about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so typically, uh, most sessions are done in one, in one or two. It can take up to four sessions. When we say it takes up, it can take up to four sessions. If someone's got complex trauma, mm-hmm. it's just going to take a little bit longer um, because we're going to get all of it. Yeah. We want every single bit of. We want to completely heal. That's why, you know, the movie, Healing the Heroes. Um, Yes, it was Healing the Heroes of 9-11, but our whole mission is healing our heroes in the military, you know, active duty, retired, first responders, their families. Because let's be honest, and I'll I'll use me as an example, my husband knew nothing about what I did mm-hmm. when I was out working with law enforcement. He did not know about the calls. He did not know about the calls with the fire department. He did not know about the calls or the the cases that I worked that did go to court um, involving children. He didn't know. Did not know. Because I didn't want him, one, if he knew, he would have said, you, you're not going to do that just being the protective mode that he is. Um, You don't need to expose yourself to that. I knew I've always, always, always known that I had a servant's heart. I've always known that um, my mission, my purpose is to be, to have that servant heart and serve people. And I get to do that. I get to do that with 22-0. So let's say you have one session or two sessions by the time we're done. And when we do the post scores and you see where you were before and you see where you are reacting physically, emotionally, you know, however many sessions that is. And you get that from 70 or 80 down to zero or five. You're going to be going, wow. So let's talk about data. Yeah, please, please. Let's talk about data. And it's <laughs> funny because <laughs> so I'm not an accountant. And originally when I went to school, I was going to go into business. But I took a cl- two classes in accounting and I said, get it. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but numbers don't lie. And so after I went through the training, I donated um, a quite a bit of my time. I did a, a paper uh, for 220 and um, I wrote it and one of the, the first 100 participants that went through it was called testing the model but um, I did a paper based on that then there's been another one validating the model and then there were 66 children that we did um, using the pre and the post scores. And so what happened was I said, are we capturing all of this data? Are we, you know, remind you, I don't like math, Um, (laughs) but numbers don't lie. And so it became very clear to me, one, based on how I felt, how I was healed. Two, the numbers don't lie. We need to capture that. So I spent from about May, June, um, up until even now, I keep I keep up with all the data. 
Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> when you're looking at the overall picture um, of seeing these scores drop and people are living again and they're, you know, they're interacting with their family and they're going places and they're not having that anxiety and they're not triggering. That is so rewarding. So rewarding. So when I said, I think it's very important that we capture this and keep up with, you know, with the data. And that's what I started doing. Um, November the 5th, I became the executive director uh, for 220, you know, and that that's a different story, but I just had to let my faith lead me that way. Um, and so I said, you know, God, I, I'm, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And so I did. But I did have to have a lot of confirmations, by the way. <laughs> I'll do it, God, but you got to show it to me. You know, I need some confirmation. So the first one, so I randomly picked. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is going to be on our veterans, since I know that this is primarily with military. So I picked 117. So the PCL5 is our trauma screen. The highest score is 80. So the average, and, and all I'm going to give you right now is the average, but the average of the 117 that went through it, and that's going to be retired, that's going to be active duty, that's also going to be Gold Star members, that's also going to be children, okay, and spouses, um, was 50.98. That was the average trauma scale of the 117. So the average of the 117 post score is 5.47. Go ahead and keep being speechless, buddy. So before we used the PCL5, we used the PSSI5, which was a trauma scale. So out of that, what I did is I used 212. Okay. The average pre-score was 49.91. And that was the pre for the 212. The post was 2.81. The average number of sessions for the 117 was 1.6. What? 1.6. So we also used the generalized anxiety score or, or screen as well. Mm-hmm. The On the 117, the average pre-score was 14.6 for anxiety. The average post score for the 117 was 1.92. The number of sessions was 1.39. Wow. So let's talk about first responders data just for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I, I'm uh, our, our communities are more entwined than a lot of people yes. uh I uh, think it's it's not for for one a lot of service members get out and they join first responder uh professions because it's what they love to do they love to serve and when you look at the data when you look at what both of these communities do is they both serve others yes. we're we're part of the same tribe and 
it's not it's not a uh, it's not a contest of who who has the most trauma. It's like, hey, we both suffer. Both these communities suffer. Yes. And there there is a bond between both. Uh, so I know that the data is going to it has to be as remarkable as what, what we just went over. It has to be. It um, is. So for the first responders, I, I picked 102 just random. There were mm-hmm. 102. Um, so for the PCL5, the pre average was 37.54 and the post average was 5.72. Uh, the GAD or what I call the GAD, the generalized anxiety disorder, Mm -hmm. not disorder. I'm sorry. The generalized anxiety seven. So the pre-score was 10.94. The post was 2.18 of the 102 first responders. So with the, you know, like I did earlier Mm -hmm. with, before we changed the, uh, screening tools we had the pssi and that was with 125 first responders so now first responders are going to be law enforcement fire spouses minor children um ems corrections so the pre-score for the 125 with the pssi 5 was 47.13 the post score was 2.54 and the average number of sessions was 1.6. That is insane. I, I am. I, I have <laughs> a lot of my friends that are in the same boat as me that we're talking about multiple treatment centers. We're talking about multiple modalities. Uh, and it's not a week. It's not two weeks. I mean, all of us multiple combat trips all of us had you know if we if they weren't at the point of suicidal ideation they were darn near close to actually executing and all of us have had to go through multiple treatments multiple mm-hmm. training and it's to to see that amount of change with you know numbers like 1.6 that is that's a remarkable too what are you guys putting in the water <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> i'm on to you now <laughs> no. i told but, you I, I asked him the next that next day on the second day of class i said what you doing me <laughs> and and i'm just gonna say what he told me feel mm-hmm. the heel welcome to the new you you ha- until you feel it, yeah. you're not going to understand it. Now, for our our first responders in our military that are still serving, mm-hmm. what happens and what is is, is the protocol the same mm-hmm. if they have to come back and say, "Hey, I, I just went through another traumatic event." Um, is it just as effective? Is there a, a, a trace or burnout effect? How does that work for our our cops, firemen, EMS? that are still in the line of duty and our service members are still deploying. How does that look like? And how do you have that, uh, those numbers or data? So one of the things that with the protocols, you have to be out of the trauma. Mm -hmm. Okay. So anything out of the trauma, this does not work for mood disorder, personality disorder. If you have like 
anxiety and mm. depression related to trauma, you'll you'll be fine. Um, <clears throat> basically, what happens is think of an onion. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it this way. And and this is kind of the the metaphor that I give give the clients that I'm working with. I have an onion. So our first session, what is right there at the conscious that's triggering you, causing you some problems? I've just unlayered it. And they it, it never fails. You know, they always say during because we'll block off two hours. But I'm I'm going to spend two hours with you. Okay. Some can be done in less time, but you're going to get two hours blocked off. And so when we're done, they'll, you know, I have questions that we're going to ask and they're going to go, I thought of something that I didn't realize bothered me. I'm going to go ahead and do it right then and there. I'm going to go ahead and take care of that one as well. I'm going to clear all the past stuff that I can get rid of. Okay. When someone is in a, let's say if somebody's in a current situation that involves daily involvement activity, like domestic violence or just, you know, a traumatic event that you're involved in daily, we've got to get you out of that trauma. Okay. You have to get out of that trauma. Then we can work it. So we've had individuals that, you know, uh, they've gone through the process, uh, a year and a half, two years later, they ended up experiencing another event um, that was traumatizing. They got out of that trauma. They contacted us and said, "Hey, I, I need to go. I need somebody to work with me." Uh, yeah. Okay, we're going to work. With, we're we're going to do the same thing. It's going to be the same protocols, but it's a new event. Yeah, you're past that trauma. You're not in that trauma like in the daily situation, but. We're going to take care of that event as well. And yep. it's still not going to charge them. We're not going to charge them. Yep. One of the other things that I've I've had to deal with and see a lot within our community is the dual diagnosis. Because you've got PTSD, TBI, and in order to cope with all that, you've picked up drinking or drugs. Is there is there any way that to be able to, to utilize your protocols and your treatment while that person is inactive addiction or is it something where it's like hey we you got to get sober first you got to get clean first before we can go through this they cannot be drinking so the day that we do the protocols there needs to be a couple of days of them not drinking perfect yeah Yeah. it's it's one of the things that really we we also have to address is the amount of uh, celebration we put on on drinking and alcohol consumption. It's still one of the things where it's like, hey, five o'clock somewhere. It's like, or 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 we can offer something else. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. And I I just got through um, working with someone maybe two months ago, six weeks, eight weeks mm-hmm. ago, roughly drank quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I said, I need you to not, not drink for two days. Just let's don't. Because what we need to realize is when someone is depressed, what is alcohol? It's Best a friend. depressant. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to hear that. Yep. We don't want to think about that, but it is a depressant. 
But in order for us to do the protocol, I cannot have you drinking because what we're doing, you know, we're we're disconnecting that fight and flight, the emotions from the amygdala, from the limbic system, changing the neural pathways. I have to have no alcohol. You don't need no alcohol. (laughs) You know, you don't don't drink before you do a session. Just please. Absolutely. And so um, but this individual drank professional drink daily daily you know Mm -hmm. um and then in speaking with that individual several weeks later this individual said i just woke up so i don't need nothing to drink that's powerful we get testimonies like that all the time (laughs) gosh and so we are on LinkedIn. Um, Dan Jarvis, Nick Davis, um, me, uh, Dr. Arnell. We are on LinkedIn. Twenty two zero is the number two two z e r o is on LinkedIn. Go to our LinkedIn page. Send an invite. You know, like it. Uh, we are also on Facebook. Twenty two zero two two. Z-E-R-O, go to our Facebook page. Look at the testimonies. The testimonies speak for themselves. When you have individuals that say, you know, that their sleeping is so erratic before the process, they go through the process, and then they're sleeping 10 and 12 hours, and they wake up like a whole new person. And when we're done, and after we've completed the post-assessment, I always end it with, Welcome to the new you. Feel the heal. Yeah, I've I've got uh, I got several friends. Uh, I dealt with insomnia for many years. That was the first thing that I had to get addressed. Uh, I went to a amazing treatment center, and the first thing, the first uh, the first occupational therapist that got uh, her hands on me to put me straight into work was, you know, Melanie telling me to sit down and say, "Hey, we're." First thing we got to do is we got to fix your sleep. And I'm sitting here like in a multi-million dollar facility. I'm like, hey, let's do something with the pain or let's do something over here. Talk about this stuff. It's like, no, nobody sleep first because nothing in here works. Nothing repairs. Nothing is able to function if we can't take care of sleep first. And uh, that the fact that that's one of the first things that our our guys and gals are able to experience a, a full night of rest restorative sleep that is powerful um if uh we navigate to the website can uh can we sign up for it right there is that the best place to sign up for a session so the website is 220 again 22zero.org that's our website hill and the heroes of 9-11 documentary is on there as well if you scroll down there's a link that says get help and it is get help, one word, get help at 220.org. Um, that's going to come directly to me. Uh, I put in a lot of hours. I'm, it's on my, you know, I have my emails on my phone. So if I'm at church again, <laughs> you know, I'm checking to make sure there's not, they, they have a call, but I'm also checking to make sure I'm not getting a get help that, hey, no. this is what's going on kind of thing. Um, I'm checking them at night. Uh, so go there, 
it's going to ask you some basic information, your name, your email, your phone number, to say you're wanting the treatment. We're going to call you. We're going to do the pre-assessment and we're going to give you a coach. Absolutely. And And again, this is for first responders, military, our wives, uh, our children. Uh, Is there an age limit? I forgot to ask that. Minor children that are in the home. Yes. And Gold Star members. Perfect. Uh, I can't thank you enough, uh, Dr. Arnell, for being here with me today. Uh, You're going to get an email from me. (laughs) (laughs) You've got me hook, line, and sinker. I want to try this out. Um, Everybody uh, out there listening, please take a moment. Uh, The the film, the documentary on the webpage, uh, it spoke. I, I watched it and every single survivor and first responder in that film uh, reminded me of somebody I've served with or somebody that has visited our own peer-to-peer support group and the difference there's one specific individual uh, I don't want to spoil it for you but there's one individual in that in the film that it, immediately I was like oh that's a green beret that's another SF guy that's that's another <laughs> green beret the the way he talked about his journey and why he left and went to the specific country he was at that was me just mm-hmm. another year ago. That was me searching for, like, I, I just don't want, I don't want to be around anybody. I would put on a mask, I'm at work, and then come home and isolate. Mm-hmm. And seeing that gentleman's remarkable journey to healing was powerful because mm-hmm. he is literally every Green Beret, every soft member that I see and talk to and engage with on, on a daily basis that is still suffering. And what what do you have to what, what do you have to lose? Right. Sign up today. Go to twenty two zero dot org. Uh, click the link. What do you have to lose? Exactly. Nothing. You have nothing to lose. But I bet you that you're going to come out on the other side of it a better individual. Again, Doctor Arnell, thank you so much for being here today with us. Um, until next time, guys. Wait, hold up. We're not done. If you'd like to get a hold of Dr. Arnell yourself, feel free to send her an email at D-R-A-R-N-E-L-L at 220.org. That's 22 and then zero spelled out dot org. Or send her a text message at 931-638-7131. All right. Raise that volume up. <laughs>